Blog Talk Radio. and I'm so glad to finally be here. Yay! Yes, it took a minute, (laughs) but you are here. I'm very excited to speak with you. I know you've had some traveling issues. I've had some intestinal issues. Oh, by the way, this is not being widely reported, but there is a huge norovirus, which means stomach flu, going around. So if you suddenly feel like you're in a lot of pain, gassy, and you're throwing up and you don't know what's going on, you probably have contracted the stomach flu. So take care of yourself. Go very easy on the food. Do liquids. Keep yourself hydrated. Dude, I spent the last three weeks thinking I was going to die. I mean, die. But, oh, my that God. That is the I, worst. Honey, it is the worst. And I was in the bathroom constantly, and everything came out of every orifice. It was terrifying. But anyway... Don't get scared. Just go to your doctor. Get checked out. You're probably going to be just fine. It all, for most people, it only lasts a week or two. For me, it lasted for three. I got very creative on my birthday, and my husband said, let's get something different. So we got something different, and it wrecked havoc on me. So it was it was quite uncomfortable. But anyway, so you do traveling. You, you live in another country. I have to ask you, this was the first thing, when I realized where you are, I was like, oh, are you out publicly where you live? Um, semi-publicly. I've, I've always been kind of quiet in my day-to-day life about my spiritual practice, mostly because I'm just sort of, I was sort of raised that it's one of the topics you don't really talk about. You don't talk about religion. You don't talk about money. You don't talk about politics, although that's completely fallen by the wayside. Um, so there right. are people here, yeah, who know um, who know about me, who are friends with me on social media, basically, and they friended me as an author, and and uh, you know they support me. There are people who don't know for whatever reason, or maybe they know and they just don't talk to me about it, which is fine. Oh, um, yeah. I do. Oh, it, what's nice. kind of funny is that. Yeah, what's funny is I actually live in a very Catholic country in a very Catholic city. Uh, So I'm surrounded by a lot of religion, um, but culturally, people do not talk about their religion. It's you, you just do not talk about religion. That would be rude. And they don't make social policy based on religion, which is really amazing. Especially for a Catholic country. That's super cool. Now, yeah. I just, I needed a little bit of background because, you 
know, my folks, some of them may not be familiar with you, so I, I wanted to cover, um, you know, how did you become a witch? When did you first get interested? Were you raised Catholic? Tell me all your <laughs> beginning information. Oh, my, my origin story. Yes, the origin story of my, yes. my amazingness. Um, so I was technically raised Catholic, uh, Irish family, Polish, if we weren't Irish. Um, but both my parents were actually uh, atheists when I was growing up. So religion wasn't really that big of a deal. Um, but I am, you know, because once the Catholic Church gets their hooks into you, you are always a recovering Catholic, one way or another. Um, but I was actually uh, found myself reading my mother's copy of The Spiral Dance by Starhawk. And my mother had it because it was, it was feminist. And that was her interest is, you know, empowering for women and, that's why she had it on her shelf, uh, which I still don't actually understand to this day because my mother is not at all uh, a magic worker or uh, or interested in anything like that. But nonetheless, she had this book, and I was bored. Literally, I was bored one day, and I was a teenager, so I got bored a lot. Um, and I pulled this book off the shelf, and it was just like, well, what's this about? And I started reading it. And like so many people have said, it it was coming home. I, I recognized the words. I recognized what Starhawk was talking about. And I don't mean I was, I recognized it in some sort of like a reincarnation past life experience came back to me or anything like that. Uh, it was just that Everything she was talking about was something I wanted in my life, that, that that was where I wanted my spirit to be going forward. And, um, and that was it. You know, um, where I was a teenager, and that Samhain, actually I'm coming up on a very large anniversary for me, uh, that Samhain I dedicated myself to the goddess, and I swore to be her priestess if she would just clearly mark out the path for me, uh, which is a very big deal for me because I'm not terribly psychic. So my deal with deity has always been, you clearly tell me what it is I'm supposed to do, and I will, by gum and by golly, go do it. Uh, yep. And it's worked out pretty well in my life. Um, I've I've awesome. I've missed oh, a few wow. clues. I am constantly asking, yeah. you know, I'm polytheistic, so I'm like, y'all need to just put the arrows in the right direction because this bitch does not know what she's doing, and I'm very clear about that. You know, yeah. I used to have this really yeah. bad problem where I would hold on to things and try to control everything, and when you try to control everything, it you make everything so much more difficult. So I just had to let everything go and and get led. Mm -hmm. And when you finally let go of the need to have control, it, it just comes so much easier, doesn't it? Did you find that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, absolutely. My my life lesson is basically learning how to be patient and let go of control mm -hmm. and and just let. Although actually every single time I do, I mean, you know, sort of to follow the theme there, um, things that are so much better than I possibly could have imagined happen. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's a really nice positive feedback to not be in control all the time because better things that I could possibly imagine happen to me uh, over and over and over again, including the life I have now, actually. This, right. was, this was right. unexpected. Yeah. Really? Was it? I thought you had planned this. Nope. No, no. Um, I would say, um, so, I've, so I've been in, um, for, for people who don't know, I live in Portugal now. We have, we've been talking around it a little bit, but I do live in the country of Portugal. And uh, it was just over a year ago that I moved here. But if you'd asked me 18 months ago what I was going to be doing, I would have said, oh, I'm still living in the Pacific Northwest working at the job that I'd worked at for 18 years prior to that and uh, living the life that I had been living up until that point. So 
Yeah, in June of 21, I, my husband and I decided to retire from the workforce and move to an entirely different country. Uh, along the way, shedding everything we owned, basically. Whoa! So, that's yeah. huge! Yeah. That is huge! Yeah. So was this a conscious yeah. decision, or did everything just fall into place? Did you know at the point that you wanted to retire that you wanted Portugal? I didn't want to. I don't. I didn't want to mention the country unless you were comfortable, which is why I danced around it. So I apologize. Um, well, no, you're good. I, I have very little. Like exactly, oh. exactly. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm. Well, I'm private about things. I'm not. I mean, I live online, so you know, privacy is a little bit weird in in some fashion or another. But yeah, no, I live in a country, and you know, I'm I'm not too worried about strange people trying to track me down. Um, but no, it, it was a it was a combination of things. Once we consciously made the decision, uh, the decision was to move to Portugal. That was that was part of the consciousness of it. Um, we didn't know even a couple months before we made the decision that it was going to be that we were going to be retiring in 21. We we actually thought it was still several more years away. Uh, for a variety of reasons, and but you know the the universe just started lining some things up. I mean that that was so it, you know it's a combination of things. I mean the universe started putting things in front of us. Um, Deity made it really really clear that if we wanted to do this, the way would be smooth. And um, you know the hardest part about it was very much the we hadn't even been to Portugal before we moved here. We'd been wow. to Europe a couple of times. We'd read about it. It checked a lot of boxes in a lot of ways. Um, and But a large part of it was just, this could go completely wrong. This this could be yeah. a really big, bad mistake. <laughs> um, wow. So there was, there was a whole lot of, okay, we're just going to jump off this cliff and Daddy tells me it's going to catch me. All right, here we go, and and jump um, and start a new life. But you know, a lot of it, it had been burbling all the way through the pandemic. You know, that was that was a part of my life that where I we started having some very serious conversations about the fact that um, you know tomorrow is promised to no one. So. Sure. We keep talking about retiring in 10, 15 years. Well, who knows if you're going to have 10, 15 years. I mean, we could have died at any moment. Um, yeah, we all still run that risk in a lot of ways. And we decided that we didn't want to wait anymore. We didn't, we didn't want to wait to do our dreams, which were traveling and, and living a very different life than we had in, in the United States. Um, we didn't want to wait. And the universe said, okay. That, so it was, it was interesting. So would, I be correct, would I be correct in assuming that you were not fluent in Portuguese before you moved? I'm still not fluent in Portuguese. I, oh I have a lot of restaurant-related words, food-related words. Um, don't ask uh-huh. me for a verb. I I got no okay. verbs at all. I'm I'm very much baby talk, um, and uh, I'm completely saved by the fact that the the people where we live, um, well, they don't particularly speak much uh, English necessarily. Uh, they're completely willing to work with you on figuring things out, and and so we we do a lot of um, you know translate program on the on the phone and yeah. you know sign language and pointing and holding up fingers and you know um you know we get through and you know we've, we've been here for a year now and we can kind of get basics done but um yeah no language ask me in another year whether i can speak anything <laughs> okay <laughs> but that's so cool wow you want to talk about really taking a leap of faith that's incredible. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot of people. I know a couple of people who have done something similar, but I mean, I'm talking about people in their 20s 
who have just been like, mm-hmm. I've got everything ahead of me. You know, it's, it's like you said, even to people that age, nothing is promised, but you know, that, that willingness to say, you know what, we're just going to go and do this and it's working out for you. And you seem super, super happy and you still travel because <laughs> traveling and we finally got back and we were able to do you know a sound check which was awesome and thank you again for taking that time to do it um but yeah i mean that's that's talk about just saying okay universe you say let's do this let's do it that's that's a test right there that's a huge test yep yep and i get new adventures all the time it's been fascinating it's really been fascinating, and I have so much to talk about going forward <laughs> and write about. And oh, my gosh. Such. No, no <laughs> doubt. So I, I want to go back to, to part of your origins. So, you know, you, you read Spiral Dance as a teenager. Did you tell your folks what you were thinking? How long did it take oh, you to God, like, no. actually discuss it? Really? Oh, I didn't tell them anything. I didn't say anything to them at all until I published my first book. Literally, my first book was going to be coming out, and I, I, I got my mom on the phone. My parents had been divorced for years by then. I got my mom on the phone, then I got my dad on the phone, and I was, you know, separate phone calls, and I was very much like, all right, I'm coming out of the closet, but, you know, I'm publishing a book. I should you know, I should probably tell them. And so let's let's be out about it. My mom wasn't terribly surprised. Um, my dad and uh, my dad, who uh, is much more of an atheist uh, than my mother, um, was was and still to this day remains deeply confused about why I believe and practice what I do. Um, he just he just doesn't understand the words in a lot of ways, doesn't understand the concepts. It's, it's, very, it's very, very foreign. Um, but he loves me very much, and so he's interested. And actually, he listens to all these podcasts, and then we talk afterwards. Hi, and he's Dad. like, yeah, you, you talked about this. <laughs> yeah, hi, Dad. Uh, <laughs> it just made him laugh, actually. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he, he, just, he just doesn't understand, but but – you know, it's been going on for a long time now, and uh, and so both of them are comfortable about it. My mom actually, you know, is, has been very good about telling people that she knows. She's like, oh, my daughter wrote a book. And, hey, you know, you should, you should go buy my daughter's book, which I think is really adorable That's and wonderful awesome. in a lot of ways. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yes. I love that. So I have to ask you, are you sorry you didn't tell them sooner? Um, Yes and no. I don't. I don't know that I knew how to tell them before then. Um, again, religion in my family is, you know, it's just, it's just not something you talk about because no one was religious. You know, I'm, I'm the black yeah. sheep in that I actually believe in something other than my grandparents, of course, who've now all passed on. Um, you know, I was the like the person in my generation who is interested in doing spiritual things, and so. It's kind of, you know, like I'm weird in a really non-weird kind of way. Um, I mean, there's lots of families where everyone's religious to some degree. But um, oh, sure. but I'm kind of the one who takes it serious. So um, I told them what I needed That's to amazing. tell them, and that was yeah. a long time ago now. I mean, literally 20 years. So, you know, we don't That's we don't need to talk about it very much. Yeah, well, I mean, for most of us, you know, we were raised by fairly religious people. I was raised by two Mm -hmm. Pentecostal preachers, which was very weird because my mother started out as one of us and then converted to, it's like, you know, when someone tells me they have found Jesus, I always ask them to put him back. Um, But that's a whole (laughs) other situation. So you had it, I mean... Because I would think if I had been raised by folks who were not religious, um, and I refuse to raise my children with religion because, I, as you believe, I think it's a very personal choice. And I think everyone has to make up that 
that their mind about what they want to believe because I don't believe in the whole hell, babies going to hell and bullshit like that. I decided that right. my kids were going to have to investigate it on their own and see what they thought about it, for which they have profusely mm-hmm. thanked me repeatedly. They're both in their 30s now, so I think I did okay. So, yes, I have raised adults. I have, I have brought them into adulthood, and they are both somewhat sane. With me as a mother, you've taken your chances. But, uh, but you know, well going back done. to that. So, okay. <laughs> Thank you. But going back to, you know, you first coming up. So you did this obviously without discussing it with your family necessarily, but did you have friends who were practicing? And after Spiral Dance, what was the next thing you did? What did you or who did you go to? You know, I, yeah, I didn't do anything until I went to college. I mean, ah. I was living in my parents' house, and my practice was very private and, and frankly, all the more powerful for its privacy. I, I had a natural instinct for the keep silent part of the witch's pyramid <laughs> and, um, you know, mostly just tried to figure out how I could be a witch, um, you know, in a city in a, you know, in a sort of an environment, I grew up in San Francisco, uh, in an environment where I couldn't really, you know, slip out after dark and go to the park and commune mm-hmm. with nature at midnight. You know, <laughs> it's like, it was not safe on any level. Sure. Um, so, so what could I do, you know, and, and what I could do was read a lot. Um, I read a lot of mythology. I read a lot about other religions, actually, um, you know, because it was it became interesting to me to see how other people found their way to deity um, and uh, and spent a lot of time, you know, working on things like meditation and, you know, quiet little mental spells. Um, I, I really liked, that was one of the things that was very attractive about witchcraft for me, uh, which is that I could actually have some level of control over my environment uh, if everything went well. And sometimes that was as little as, you know, I wanted a, a guy to like me when I went to a party mm-hmm. and I, you know, I put on a little glamour and he would just walk right across the room towards me. It was like, boom, you know, like, Hey, that was great. You know, <laughs> um, or I needed a little extra money and out of nowhere, my grandmother would send us money, you know, just like little, little bits, you know, I mean, pretty classic things. Yeah. I mean, I think love spells are pretty much the, the, uh, the gateway drug for magic for a lot of people or money spells. Um, sure. You know, and I, I would do things like that. But then I got to college, and I'm not living in my parents' house anymore. Um, I have total control over what I do and where I go. And um, while I was broke most of the time, so I couldn't really do very much, uh, I could suddenly really own tools. You know, I, I could yeah. buy a crystal or incense and burn it because I wanted to um, rather than, you know, imagining the smell of sandalwood, which literally was my early practice is, you know, you know, the spell would say light the incense and I would imagine lighting incense. Really good work. Really, really good practice for being a virtual witch later on, actually. Uh, And And I it's important yeah. to be able to do that, and I think we've gotten so far away from intuitive magic in that regard because all of the trappings, quote unquote, and I love trappings. I love shinies. Oh, I yeah. have a ton of shinies. I have all the incense. Oh, yeah. I've got nine thousand books. I've got all kinds of crap. I've got assamays <laughs> from here to next year. But the fact of the matter <laughs> is, for controlling, controlling your mind and getting really focused into magic. I think, you know, the idea of visualization is really important. When you want a spell to work, I mean, intention is everything. Well, at least mm-hmm. 99% of it. So I totally agree with you. That just, even just imagining lighting incense, that never even occurs. So brilliant. Yeah. 
It, well, and, you know, honestly, I think there's a, a big difference between when I was just getting started and finding magical supplies where it was just not that easy for a while. When I got to college, the New Age movement had really taken off, and that's when you had a crystal store in every town. And you could go there to get your candles and your incense. And, you know, before then it was you had to hunt out the, you know, the East Indian kinds of stores. Or um, maybe you were lucky enough to have a uh, an herbal, you know, grocer or something like that. I mean, I was lucky. San Francisco had a lot more opportunity to find things, but they were not easily found in a lot of ways. Um, which is actually one reason why I didn't get into buying books or anything again until really until I got to college and then it was Scott Cunningham and um oh I don't know Lynn Andrews comes to mind I mean like there were a whole lot of people who suddenly started writing and I consumed those books mm-hmm. and my book budget was ridiculous for <laughs> for my college years <laughs> I oh, look I'm back sure. and there were there were literally times when I chose to eat, you know, rice and beans for an extra week just so that I could buy that book, you know, and and um, it was, you know, and that was what fed my head in a lot of ways. And I started working with people. I found a circle um, that came out of one of those adult extension programs, uh, and uh, Ellen Lorenzi Prince who has done one of the most beautiful uh, Dark Goddess Tarot decks I've ever seen, was my first leader. And the five-week class turned into a circle with kind of a rotating leadership. And uh, we all took turns bringing information to the rest of the group. Um, It was all women, not by design. It was just how that happened to work out. And it was the first time any of us had actually tried being in a circle and doing energy and figuring out what worked and didn't work. Um, You know, someone would read something and we'd be like, oh, yeah, let's try. And we'd try it. And, you know, sometimes sometimes it was fantastic. And sometimes it was just like, hmm, wow. Yeah. I was just a dud. The fact that you had a group of people that you could do that with, you know, a lot of folks are not that lucky to just have a bunch of folks that you could go to and say, let's try this, and have them go, mm-hmm. let's give it a whirl. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. witchcraft is such a weird thing sometimes. You know, I was very lucky. <laughs> Sounds like you lucked into a great group of people yourself. Um Mm-hmm. I just hear all these these things about, you know, how shitty people are these days <laughs> in certain groups. <laughs> and, you know, the gatekeeping. You and I had a conversation about gatekeeping and how much we mm-hmm. both love that shit. Um, but quite <laughs> frankly, you know, if more people were just open to new experiences, and, and, and I think sometimes people are just so afraid of, quote, unquote, doing it wrong, when you have a bunch of people yeah. doing it together, it's like, listen, we'll all try it together. If something good happens, yay. And if nothing happens, all right, nothing happens. I mean, it, it's not all – I don't think it's all as serious or as not serious as people make it. I think people <laughs> look at it and try to water down witchcraft and things where, you know, it's not even something – other people would want to believe in anymore because it's, there's just too many rules and there's too too many people telling you you're wrong. And I think a lot of it has to do with social media. Because let me tell you something. I grew up before social media, before computers in the home, all that stuff. And I would have been so embarrassed if I had made some of the mistakes I made in fucking public. And I think people need to get a grip <laughs> and let it go. Because... Mm-hmm. Nobody comes out of the womb a perfect witch, whatever the hell that means, um, in any of the paths, whether it's Alexandrian or Eclectic or Gardnerian or whatever. 
fill in your own blank, but I just, you know, people just need to leave each other the hell alone. If you're not going to help, get out of the way. But this constant slamming of, well, you're doing it wrong, it just makes me fucking nuts. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, that, that, was, that was one of, yeah, no, it was, it was seriously, that was one of my impetuses for writing my book. Now, um, I mean, one of my hats that I wear is I'm a reviewer for Facing North, and um, I've read a lot of beginner books over the years, and um, and many of them are, are really quite good. There's always something good in every book. I mean, that, I mean that's real. But there's, you know, when I look at the books that are being published, and I look at the things that are available on social media. All I could think is that if I were starting out now, if I if it was, you know, 15-year-old me living in today's world, I would be so lost as to what to do first, you know, and and I and I would feel like if I get this wrong, something bad is going to happen because there is that sense of, you know, doom and despair and horrible it's like no 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 this this is actually one of the fantastic things about magic about witchcraft is it's it's really hard to be so completely wrong with basically anything you're going to do i mean you would really really have to work consciously to offend to actually get it wrong well, you know, I mean, like, like, is, and, and you know if, what? <laughs> if you had that much power to begin with, that you could make something go that disastrously wrong, then you have the talent, therefore, or power to do it exactly the opposite and make it completely right. So, I mean, yeah, we're not yeah. imbued yeah. with all of this stuff immediately, and I'm still working on that. Are you kidding? 61 years old. Oh, I'm yeah. working on magic. Please. It's, it's a lifetime. I mean, the, I exactly. Exactly. We are not perfect beings. We're never going to be perfect beings. There is no such thing as a perfect witch, as you just said. There's no such thing as a perfect spell. There's always something more to learn, always something more to tweak or change or get better at things. I mean, I seriously bless my students over the years because Every single year, they teach me something new, and that keeps me young, you know, metaphorically speaking. I mean, it, they're all, they ask me a question, and I'm just like, I have literally never heard that before. It's been 20 years mm-hmm. on the same topic, and no one has ever asked me that question. Let's go for it, you know. It's, it's fantastic. Um, I mean, it, it is a lifetime because the, the goal, of course, is to get better, to be better people, and you can't ever stop doing that because if you get complacent about it, oh, you're not better anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, you backslid a little bit. Changing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And there's always something changing. I mean, even words in the society that you grew, you grew up in are different from the words that I heard growing up, which are completely mm-hmm. 100% different from the words we hear now. And it's, again, <laughs> you know, if you don't understand, I have issue with people who not want to understand, who does not care enough to understand, who want to stay in the bubble that was the past. And I, mm. I find that chokes off the ability to learn. Um, and when you don't want to learn anymore, why are you even bothering? I mean, go mm-hmm. live on a mountain rich somewhere, and that's fine to do that. But, you know, to tell the rest of us how how to do anything is like, Oh, I don't know. Let me examine your life. How good is it that your your witchcraft is so much better than anybody else's? And nine times out of ten, it's not. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. most of the people that are that are trying to tell other people what to do, I wouldn't trade places with them on a dare and for cash. There's no way. <laughs> so I got. But you know what? It's not just people in the craft too. It's like. My 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 mother, who was, you know, Pentecostal and still very religious and still a preacher and all of these things, and it's like, you know, you slam everybody who's not believing what you believe, but you're fucking miserable. So why would anyone mm. want to? 
You know, you put mm-hmm. on that sunny face to the people that don't know you. They think you've got the world by the, the, the tail, and I know you don't. So who are you trying to convince? God? Mm-hmm. Try again. Mm-hmm. Enough of that. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about this book. <laughs> we need to talk about this book right here. So as I was telling you earlier before we went on the air, you ask a lot of questions in this book. <laughs> you ask the reader to really examine a whole bunch of things. And these are questions I was never asked. So please explain what kind of questions you ask and why you're asking? <laughs> well, I like questions because the answers are so revealing. Not for me, necessarily. I mean, you know, there's there's no grade being given out. My readers are not going to send me an essay at the end of the, of the book and, <laughs> and, and get their grade or anything like that. But, you know, I mean, as I mentioned before, I've been teaching newcomers for 20 years. And, you know, the difference between my doing a lecture and, and just giving them information and my saying, so what do you think about this topic? Where are you approaching this topic from? Where does this topic talk to you? Um, is so completely different. Because in the former, when I'm just lecturing, they take notes yeah, okay, I'm pretty good at it. They get information. But when we talk about it and they're thinking it through and they're thinking about where they are in relationship to the information, whatever it might be, um, they remember it and they feel it. And that's where they begin to live it. And witchcraft is a practice. This is not a theoretical religion. There is no armchair, you know, you don't, you're not a witch just by reading a book. Okay, you've actually got to take what you've read in the book and go and do something with it. It's, you know, it's, it's act, it's literally active. Um, And, and so, you know, because I don't get to have all my readers in a lecture room with me and talking and having a conversation and my time is not infinite and I cannot be on Zoom 24-7 talking to everybody. Um, You know, I have to write a book. So I'm going to ask these questions. And I love that you, answer, you asked me this question, or about this, actually, because one of the foundational things for me is I like people to start with creating a book of shadows. And the reason for this is because you begin to document your journey right at the outset. You don't go back to it months later and say, oh, this is what I've learned. You, you just start on day one, and I ask the questions, why do you want to be a witch? What is it about witch or witchcraft that attracts you? And you write that down. And then you go back three months later, six months later, and you look at your answer and you answer it again. And I'll almost guarantee you it'll be different because your experience will be different. You will have done things and you'll have different things to think about and write about at that point. And then if you do it again in a year, and frankly, I do it every couple of years for one reason or another, um, it always changes. These are not questions. I mean, and they're ethical questions. They're, you know, personal morality questions. You know, what do you hope Mm -hmm. to get out of this? Mm -hmm. Why are you doing this? You know, other questions mm-hmm. that came up for me were like, well, why this as opposed to that? Or, you know, why why did was this the thing that was supposed to be empowering? Or did you have something happen to you and you feel like you're you're losing power? I mean, so many other questions come from the questions you asked in the book. And I find it fascinating because mm-hmm. these are not questions anybody ever asked me, and I'm sure never asked anybody else. So I, I, I found that aspect of it interesting. I'm glad. I'm really, really glad. It's I, I because I think that that process of because you know we live in a society that isn't very good about promoting us being honest and our best selves in the world. I mean, we we live in a society that almost literally requires that we wear a mask all the time. <laughs> And actually, after the pandemic, that's really, really true. But um, 
you know, I mean, we don't get to be who we really are at work because we have to be a good corporate person or we have to be a good whatever they need. You know, it, it's really hard to be honest and true in in love relationships. In fact, because we've given we've been given so much societal pressure to not to be like something, look like something, act like something, you know, ideal. Um, and so you start to ask questions and you start drilling in and you get into a habit of being honest, if only with yourself. And if you're going to be honest in the world, you should really be honest with yourself. That's, that's the place to begin and then go from there as safety allows, because it's not always safe to be honest. True. Very, that's so true. I, yeah, see, this, this, these are not things that come up for me when I think about witchcraft, but now they kind of do. So thanks. <laughs> but, You're welcome. You know, and there's a, I mean, but you go really in depth. I mean, when I look at this book and when I think about this book, this is really like down to the ground level. Okay, think you want to be a witch. Let's really dig into this and find out if that's true. And mm-hmm. so I find I find the title that selected, A Witch's Guide to Crafting Your Practice, I, I find that title to not be, for me it's not sufficient because for me it's really like, well, if you want to be a witch, <laughs> let's make sure. You know? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I, almost, I almost come yeah, I almost come from a place of, are you sure you want to get into this? Because it's it's yeah. actually kind of a big deal. It, I mean, if you take it seriously, it, it will transform your life. I actually tell my students this every year. Um, when the class starts, the first week of class is all this intro stuff, and this is what we're going to do. And, I, and our first live lecture, one of the most important things I say to them is I look them all right in the eye, and I say, your life will change because you're in this class. Just the fact that you are in this class, you are saying to the universe, I want to be a different person. I want to be a better person. And things are going to happen to you, I promise you. And they all go, okay, you know, and they nod their heads. And and they say, all right, you know, because they don't really believe yet. Or they do, but they don't. But, you know, it's like at the end of the year in our last class, I look around the room and I say, so. Was I lying when I said that things was going to happen? And they were like, nope, nope, totally unexpected. Yep, that was, you were right on on that one. Yep. And year after year, I see this. So, you know, it's, it's a serious practice. It's, it's a real spirituality. And I am so excited about it in so many ways. I love that my enthusiasm is, has kind of come across at the same time as my, oh, yeah. are you really sure you want to get into this? Because it's kind of like, you know, it's like being pregnant or not being pregnant. It's like, you know, are you sure you want to be pregnant? No one ever does really. And, but once you do, it's exciting and fantastic and amazing and all of those things that I say, all of that as a person who does not have children, but I recognize how exciting that adventure is. Um, so, you know, witchcraft is kind of like that. It's a really big deal that will transform your life. Yeah, and, and witchcraft is also one of those things, until you're in it, <laughs> um, you can only imagine, but you can't really know until you're doing it, same as pregnancy. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, it's, 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 oh boy, it's all-encompassing. But here's the thing, also like pregnancy, or if you've gotten to the point where you've given birth to a child, I should, um, yeah, your life has changed forever. There's no going back. There's mm-hmm. no changing it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you've been touched by it, and that's kind of it. You know, there are mm-hmm. very few people, I can I can name about five or six people who practiced the craft and then decided not to. Unfortunately, it's some, one of them is someone I'm related to, but, you know, there have been this handful of people who have gone, and you talk about going from one extreme to the other. When you go from witchcraft to being a Pentecost, and it's usually that kind of extreme jump, 
I'm like, what mm-hmm. happened? What what is the switch that that makes you go and completely go in the opposite direction? I, I'm I'm fascinated by how that happens. Now I know how it happened in my family, and it wasn't because of a personal choice. It was kind of like, well. Her husband went that way, so she went that way too. Because to not to go against my father was definitely a dangerous thing. Um, mm-hmm. But he's dead now, and we're we're no longer afraid of him. And you know that kind of actually brings me something else I wanted to mention in the book that I um, particularly enjoyed, found interesting, and related to was the idea of, of cords. And the ener- energetic cords that develop um, between people mm. and relationships, and and sometimes the past, and sometimes you just don't let go of things because they're tied to you, and you don't remember that sometimes you actually disentwine yourself. Um, <laughs> so that really fascinated me. Can you talk about cords and the energetic properties? Yeah, um, I actually think it's a weird hole in many people's um, training, which is the ability to uh, to learn to let go of the energetic connections. Um, I and I guess I kind of came to it uh, sort of backwards in that one of my um, one of my later teachers actually. Um, in the 90s, it would have been, um, boy, that, you know, I, that really sounds, I say later, and it's like, oh, that was a long time ago. So, okay. Um, she was someone who, uh, who initiated people really early, really quickly, and um, when they would leave her life, she would never do anything to end the energetic relationship. And uh, in my opinion, and she's been dead for a couple of decades now, but in my opinion, that actually ended up killing her. Um, she, she ended up getting sick, uh, really, really sick. Mm-hmm. And from, and I don't usually say this because, you know, when you talk about people and energy and getting ill, it can sound very, very victim blaming. And I am not talking generally. I'm talking very specifically about one person who I witnessed and it was very clear to me that her holding on to all of these energetic ties, um, which is kind of a major flaw in her character, uh, actually literally made her sick and contributed to her dying a number of years later. For me, I walked away from that saying, oh, no, I'm not doing that. No way, no how, uh-uh. So uh, when I started my class, one of the first things we instituted was at the, the end of the year comes, the last ritual we do, which is combined with Salon, is a farewell ritual. And we end our energetic bond to the class every single year. And uh, sometimes those students have, will go on to become coven members, which is great, or I'll continue working with them. We do a new ritual for new coven members at the beginning of the year. Like we formally take them in as dedicants and such. We've got a ritual for that. But every single year, the class is ended energetically, not just physically. And I think it is spiritual hygiene. I really, really do. Because I've had way too many students over the years who just move on and, you know, they go do their own thing. They, you know, sometimes they come back. Sometimes, you know, a lot, most of them don't. Of course, they go on. I mean, that's what we train them for is go on, do your own practice, join a different group, whatever. Um, know that know that witchcraft is or isn't what you want to do. But the end of the year comes and boom, we, just, we start over. And metaphorically, there's a few days between, you know, Salon and when we start the next class. We sort of scrub yeah. everything clean from the previous class and then start fresh. And I think it's vital. I just, I just absolutely think it's, incredibly important. Um, the few times over the years when we've had uh, coven members who've you know, left the coven for whatever reason, 
I have a particular ritual I do specifically for coven members because there's different energy between a class member and myself and a coven member and myself, uh, particularly if they've initiated. Um, you know, I have a particular ritual that I do that cuts that cord when it becomes necessary. Um, should the time ever come, I have a ritual for closing down the coven. Should wow. that time ever happen? If, yeah, I'm I'm prepared for that because I think, wow. yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's me. Um, I mean, it might change by the time we actually get to it, but uh, sure. But it's but it's I but too many groups that I know of over the years just sort of dissolve. You know, they just kind of yeah. blah, 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 blah. But yeah, if you were working together for a while, you created an energetic being, you know, the egregore, and the egregore deserves the respect of being released, you know, I think, you know, sort of thing. So that's kind of my perspective, and I, I mean, I bring that, it, it, in a strange way, talking about cords, it's sort of like, it could, it could sound a little bit like I'm, I'm like, cut the cord, you know, keep everything clean. It's not really that harsh. It's not supposed to be that harsh. I mean, it's it's like a good funeral allows everybody to feel at peace and at rest and like like they've grieved for the person who died, but they don't have to carry the burden going forward. You know, I mean, that's oh, I, that's I what totally a good funeral is all about. Right, but I think people tend to forget that that's a necessary step. Yep. Because I think... Yep. You know, Absolutely. when you're just living, the, when you're living the day to day, and you come in contact with whether it's coworkers or deal with on a regular basis or whatever it is, <laughs> and situations mm-hmm. change in several ways, I don't think most of us think about the fact that we need to release energetically to make room for <laughs> to not have stagnant energy around, and and I think it's something yep. that isn't talked about enough, let it, you know, releasing previous energy starting fresh. I think it's an important thing to do that, again, doesn't get discussed enough. So I'm thrilled that you bring it up in the book. Yeah, thank you. And, and you know, and you also bring up, you know, you know, the, the nasty coworker, the really grumpy person on the bus next to you, you know, these people do, in fact, sort of attach negative energy to you, to your aura, to your energy and and not in a conscious way, not in a, you know, they won't, they don't want to hurt you or anything like that. But, you know, we are pressed up against so many of these people so often that having some sort of sort of general, you know, spiritual cleanse that we do for ourselves is also just really good spiritual hygiene. Um, uh, Katrina Rasbold in her book Uncrossing uh, does an incredibly good job talking about this, as does Diana Rauschow, um in her book Unhexing, uh, I, which I, both of which I highly recommend um, because it's amazing how much negative energy you pick up just moving through the world. So true. Period, end of story. So, out, you know, yeah. yeah, and when you're first starting out, I think you really need to safeguard your energy as much as possible because you're first experimenting in the unknown and you're coming in mm-hmm. contact with entities that you may not be 100% you know, on the same page with. So it's, it's, I think mm-hmm. it's really important to psychically cleanse yourself, you know, even daily in the beginning, you know, just to make sure mm-hmm. you're... You're clean, as it were, for lack of a better term. Um, so I'm really thrilled that you brought that into the book. And also, I mean, but it's not just that. It's not just about the questions and the cords and all of that. You actually get into, you know, what do you actually need tool-wise? Do you really need tools? I mean, you ask all the questions, which I love. And then, you know, you go into creating the and you know, you do it in, a, in such a nice way because a lot of people, when I was coming up, there were not a lot of people to ask. And so I found my mentor. Um, I also worried about, well, hmm, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to do this right. And I might screw up a whole bunch of things. So, you know, the fact <laughs> that there is a book 
starts from the ground up, literally, um, with all the basic questions of, well, why? And Because we don't proselytize. We don't go out in the streets and look for members, you know? It's not that kind yeah. of religion. So, yeah. you know, I, I like the fact that you have all of these questions in place and all of these very basic steps to take and further reading and all, you know, you, you covered a lot of the bases for sure. Makes it a great <laughs> book for a beginner. But, you know, it's, and I'm not a beginner, and I still got something out of it. So I'm just saying, if you have beginners I love in it. your life, this is this is great. But if you're if you're not a beginner, this book is still okay. You can you can work with it. You know, special. <laughs> work with we can work with everything. It's you know, listen. Over the <laughs> pandemic, I lost my practice so many times. You know, because I was mm. so worried about: Are we going to have jobs? Are we going to have a roof? Are we going to have food? Mm-hmm. Where's the toilet mm-hmm. paper? I mean, a lot of things happened. Obviously, everyone knows that. And it and it got really tough sometimes to practice. It got tough to you know do a devotional or or even just do something simple. You know, lighting candles at a couple of points was a chore because my mind was so full of all of these other things. And, you know, mm-hmm. I've learned more since the pandemic than I have in a while because the opportunity was there and the ability to restart was there. And a lot of, you know, the folks that I speak with have had the same struggles that I did during the pandemic. I've, I've had friends say to me, I can't even feel the gods in it. I'm like, I know, me too. But I think, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. during such a strange time in life, it happens to a lot of us. So these books, you know, these books are great. And, and you know, it brings you back to basic stuff that you may have forgotten. Listen, when I was coming up, you had less than two dozen writers, period. Period. And there yeah. was no internet. And if you could find them yeah. in the library, how was I going to smuggle this home? I mean, there were a lot of them. But, mm-hmm. you know, a choice can be overwhelming, but choice is a, is still a beautiful thing. And, you know, I like to tell folks, you're going to read a lot of crap, but you're going to read a lot of good stuff too. You know, watch people, watch authors, see what they say in public. When they're on the show, listen to the things they say, their approach. If you hear something that aligns with you, go for it. Get the book. You know, follow the person, what they have to say. And it's it's so much easier now than when I was coming up, i got to tell you. But, Lisa, I have talked your hair off, and we only have a couple of minutes left. So please tell people where they can find you, and if somebody's interested in perhaps taking a class, uh, how do they reach find you? I can always be found on my very easy-to-remember website, which is lisamcsherry.com. Just have to remember my name, and you can find me. Uh, social media, I'm, you know, I'm on Instagram. I'm on um, Facebook and things like that. Um, you can always find me there as well. But mostly my website will always list where I'm speaking, um, new projects that I have coming up. There's a little bit of a blog there where I... You know, I write things from time to time, and I can always be reached through there. And there's also links there to my coven, which holds an annual class, which is jaguarmoon.org, and my uh, review site, facingnorth.net, which has free reviews, at least 10 every month, of all sorts of items of interest to our community, um, which I just have been doing for a lot of years. Yes, yes. So that is where you can find me, and um, maybe you'll find me on uh, Desperate House, House Witches again in the future. <laughs> I think I think I think we will make this happen. I think this is a must. Again, the book is so. a guide to crafting your practice. Create a magical path that works for you, Lisa McSherry. Thank you so much. I have had so much fun this hour, and yes, we will definitely hook up again. Absolutely. <laughs> That'd be great. This has been fantastic, and right. I really, really love being here. <laughs> I'm so glad. I've really enjoyed having you. You're you're a hoot. I love it. 
So I will talk <laughs> to you soon. Have a great night. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. All right, guys, I'll be back next week with the 415 and the Pagan Pundit on Friday. So check us out then. Have a great rest of your week and weekend. Bye.